0: See, there is a truth that there is nothing that matters in this world more than you and your children walking with the Lord. As I think about my children, I could hope for a lot of things in their life. But it does not matter how much education they get or how successful they become or how much money they make or how much other people know their name if my children do not know the Lord. Everything I do as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, is meaningless. I don't want to force my children to go to church. I've heard that said before. I've also heard something I think is really, really profound. If going to church is optional for you and me, it will be obsolete. For our grandchildren.
1: Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning.
0: Today we kick off a brand new series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a handful of people who almost... Didn't make it into the Bible. People like you and me, who in many ways are ordinary, everyday people and easily could have been nobody's ever remembered, but people who through ordinary means did extraordinary things. People who in their faith in God became so much more and forever will be remembered and celebrated, though they're nearly nameless in Scripture. See, Scripture's full of all kinds of great heroes of faith, characters we look to. Perhaps you're familiar with a few like Noah, but he wasn't that great. He got drunk and was naked in public. Or like Moses, who (laughs) killed a guy and made all these excuses for why he shouldn't do what God asked him to. Or Abraham, who convinced others that his wife was just his sister for fear they might try to kill him. Or David who took advantage of a woman. Man, these heroes of faith are not actually all that great. But maybe you're familiar with some of these big names of the Bible, these people who supposedly are pillars and examples for us to look to. Like Peter, who denied Jesus three times and continuously put his foot in his mouth saying the dumbest thing at just the right time. Or maybe like Paul, who hated Christians and put them to death and imprison them until God turned them around and said, I have something different for you. Or maybe you're well acquainted with the man named Timothy. Have you heard that name before? Timothy. I love this man in Scripture because he's an extraordinary man. I think, unlike many of these other characters, we don't see many of his character faults. Instead, what we see is a whole lot of praise of the kind of man he is. In fact, in the book of Philippians, Paul writes this about him. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ." But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul celebrated Timothy, this partner in ministry. He says there is none like him who cares for you as well as he does. See, a little known fact about Timothy, he's actually all throughout the New Testament. Did you know this? I was looking in preparation for today, looking up where do we see Timothy, and I discovered that he shows up in, I think, 13 or 14 of the books of the New Testament. It's kind of a big deal. Not only this, he co-authored Several of the letters with Paul. In fact, this letter to Philippi begins Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. He joined Paul in the work of ministry in such a way that Paul included him in his greetings. Hey, the two of us greet you. And here's what I have to say I think it's six or seven letters of Paul that he co authors with him. Timothy is a really big deal. A man who has this great heart, not only for Jesus, but for those who don't yet know Jesus. This compassion and this care to share with whomever, wherever, this good news. In fact, Timothy was the kind of guy who would go to whatever extent necessary in order to proclaim the good news to those who didn't know. In fact, we first meet Timothy in the book of Acts. So we're going to flip back to the book of Acts. If you'd like to read, it's only a few verses, but feel free to turn to page 1,154 in the blue Bibles in front of you. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we're introduced to Timothy, this character, for the first time. Paul is traveling, and he's doing mission work. And we see here the extent to which Timothy's willing to go so that he can join in sharing this good news with others. Here's what it says. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. See, this is the extent Timothy's willing to go to. Because he had a father who was a Greek man, circumcision was not a thing that happened for him as a child. But for Jewish people in the Old Testament, God spoke to Abraham, and He told them, "Every one of you should be circumcised as a sign that you are my children, as a promise that I will be with you." Now, for an eight-year-old, to, or eight-day-old, sorry, an eight-day-old to be circumcised, it's a little bit different of an experience than for a grown man to be circumcised. But Timothy recognized as a grown man that the fact that he was not bearing that physical sign of being a part of the people of God would be an obstacle for some who otherwise could believe in Jesus. So while it was not required of him, he was certainly willing to go to lengths and extents that many of us would not be willing to go to for the sake of the gospel. Paul, he meets Timothy. He's eager to take Timothy with him. So Timothy gets circumcised as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. You see, the church had been wrestling with a big question. Do people need to be circumcised in order to be Christian? Like this is what God once said, but now Jesus has changed everything. Do they need this or not? Can those foreigners, those outsiders, those not circumcised be a part of God's promises or do they have to submit to everything we're used to in our traditions? And the church had decided ultimately in Jesus that law of the Old Testament, those rules and requirements were no longer what you and I need to submit to. But even still, knowing that he doesn't need to do this, Timothy becomes circumcised so he can go and preach to those for whom it mattered. And he can share with them, look, this is what Jesus has done, the freedom he gives and the hope that we now have. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Timothy's partnership with Paul led to the churches growing significantly. In fact, we see throughout Scripture that Timothy is present with Paul when he preaches, in Corinth And in Ephesus, when he preaches in Philippi and Thessalonica, over and over again when Paul is preaching, Timothy is there alongside him, serving the people, helping them to grow in their faith well beyond that initial conversion, helping them to learn how to walk in the way of Jesus and become like him. Timothy is there over and over and over again. In fact, there are multiple letters that Paul writes where he actually sends Timothy ahead of him. He says, I myself am unable to come, but I will send Timothy and he will bear witness to you all the things that God is doing. He will be a source of hope and encouragement and joy. And Paul viewed Timothy like a son. He said, look, you are a son in the Lord to me. Not that they were physically sons, but Paul had such a love and an investment in Timothy, such a care for his growth and his development, that it was like a son in every way. Timothy was a really big deal. In fact, Paul even wrote two letters directly to Timothy. Maybe you've heard of them First and Second Timothy. Letters of the Bible written for the sake of Timothy's encouragement as you do this work of being a pastor as you care for those who are hearing the gospel and coming to believe, as you serve those who are under constant attack from the enemy, here's the things you need to know. We're going to look at one of these letters next. We're going to look at 2 Timothy, beginning in chapter 1. In this letter, Paul is writing to Timothy. He begins in verse 2, "...to Timothy, my beloved child." So read this as a man who deeply cares for the one he's writing to. He begins his letter with this in verse three. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Paul, he begins writing to Timothy and says, I am so grateful for you. I thank God every time I think of you, every time I'm praying, you are in my prayers. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. See, part of what made Timothy and Paul so close was Paul often experienced beatings and imprisonment and torture, all kinds of horrific experiences for the sake of the gospel, And Timothy was there beside him with tears and in prayer coming before the Lord on Paul's behalf. He was there to bring him a coat when he was cold in prison to care for him when he needed food and nobody was there to bring it. Timothy was like a son in every way. And Paul is filled with gratitude. And then he continues in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control." And then a few verses later in verse 14, he says this, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul, he's writing, he says, I thank God for the faith that you have and just how much you believe. And I urge you by God's power to guard that deposit entrusted to you. Did you catch the nearly nameless Women in this story? There's two women Paul writes about here that no other place in Scripture are mentioned. But I think these two ordinary women, almost completely overlooked, have some of the greatest impact of anybody in Scripture. Let's read it again and see if you catch it. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. And your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Lois and Eunice, named for all of eternity for us to remember and celebrate in this verse and this verse only. For what purpose? Because they were both women of faith who invested in this man. First, as a grandma investing in her daughter, one mom to another, pouring in this faith she believed over and over again, teaching the things that were true and right that her daughter Eunice could believe in God. And then again, not only as a mom to a daughter and a mom to a son, as a grandma to a son pouring in the teaching of faith. See, if you remember when we were in the book of Acts just a little bit ago, how this begins, it stresses, there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. It's not just describing an ethnic difference between the two. No, it's actually so much more. Here when we meet Timothy in the book of Acts, we see right off the bat that his mom was faithful and loved the Lord, but not his dad. He was a Greek. Uh, A way of describing to the people someone who was outside of the faith. And we know that in Scripture, Greeks and Gentiles and those outside the faith become Christian and become a part of the faith, but not Timothy's dad. And the reason we can infer that is because of one little language, one little word. But the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. She was faithful. She sought the Lord. She trusted in him. But his dad did not. Here's the really challenging thing. Did you know that almost without fail, If dad believes in God and lives out his faith, so too will children. The statistics show above and beyond that if men are committed to a church and committed to growing in faith and loving their family like Christ loves and leading as Christ loves, almost without fail, their children will follow after them. Unfortunately, that's not always the case with women. See, reasons I don't understand, even incredibly faithful moms who love the Lord deeply, if they do not have the partnership and the support and the encouragement of their husbands, will often struggle to impart faith to their children. It just is, and I don't know why. Why? And I love this little verse in 2 Timothy where it says, look, remember the faith that your grandmother Lois had and the faith that your mother Eunice had and now the faith that you have. Guard that and hold fast to it. Protect it. I thank God for this gift that was given. Fan it into flame. See, Lois and Eunice are only named in this one verse. They play an extraordinary role. Somehow, by God's extraordinary means, their faithfulness to Him, their trust in Him, their pursuit of Him enabled them to teach this faith to their son and grandson, to instill Him with the desire to follow after the Lord and trust in God as they do. It says it's a really good gift that needs to be fanned into flame. See, I think for many of us, what we want in our life is to be somebody who has a lasting legacy. We want to make a difference and change the world. And oftentimes, we are guilty of believing that the best way we can change the world is through really opinionated, fact-based posts on social media. And the best way we can change the world is by arguing with people who believe something we think is totally stupid. And the best way we can change the world is by doing something remarkable that nobody else has ever done before, some magnificent act or great moment where all the world will look and say, look at that brave or courageous or wonderful person. I think in Scripture the truth is if we want to change the world, it doesn't happen in the really big moments. It happens in the really little ones, the everyday, ordinary That seems like such a waste. I can imagine as a mom in a household with a husband who does not believe in God, the difficulty that Eunice faced trying to teach faith to her son. This is what we believe, and then he perhaps and probably would say, but I I think something different. I've heard several parents say before, I don't want to force faith on my children, so I'll let them choose for themselves. And I think this comes from a good place, a place of recognizing that if we make the practice of faith a thing we do and not a part of who we are, it will burn our children out. So if we force them to go to church, and then on Monday we look nothing like Jesus, they're going to look at us and say, well, why should I want that? But I think this attitude is often also, unfortunately, misguided and unhelpful. See, there is a truth that there is nothing that matters in this world more than you and your children walking with the Lord. As I think about my children, I could hope for a lot of things in their life, but it does not matter how much education they get. Or how successful they become or how much money they make or how much other people know their name. If my children do not know the Lord, everything I do as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor is meaningless. I don't want to force my children to go to church. I've heard that said before. I've also heard something I think is really, really profound. If going to church is optional for you and me, it will be obsolete for our grandchildren. See, the practices we embody together in the everyday ordinary The faith that we live out right now has a lasting impact. I imagine for Lois, as she was raising her daughter Eunice, there was never a time where she thought, someday my grandson will travel the world and proclaim this good news we believe in and will be written in over half the New Testament. Someday he will be a staple example of what being a pastor is all about will have a love and a care for others like no one else. I imagine most of the time she was just trying to get through the day. How do I make it to the end of the day faithful and teach my daughter these things? How do I live in this moment that may be difficult or filled with trial and still honor God and show my children, my daughter, what this looks like? I imagine for Eunice as she dealt with a husband who did not believe there were times of great frustration and pain. This would be so much easier with his support. God, if only he too would believe. And I imagine the difficulty day in and day out of competing worldviews in her own household, Computing, competing perspectives and beliefs about what is true and what is good and what is right and what is beautiful. And I imagine the exhaustion at the end of the day God, would you guard Timothy, my little boy, that he might grow to know you and to walk with you. See, Jesus tells every one of us that the greatest thing we can do with our faith is to share it with little children, is to welcome little kids as we have been welcomed, to give to them. He says, whatever you give to the least of these, you have given to me and done for me. To be someone who changes the world, it has very little to do with the big and magnificent moments, but your daily decisions and daily habits and the faith that is not something you do, but part of who you are. There will come a day when I will stand before God and I'll be able to look over and Lois and Eunice will be there. These two nearly nameless women I will one day be introduced to and be able to thank them for the example they set in helping Timothy become the man he became. You and I will never end up in Scripture. Scripture is what it is. It's set in stone. We're not going to be a part of Scripture. But who knows who will come to walk with God through the faith that you live out each day? Who knows the impact on this world that your faith will have, not just in your children or your grandchildren, but their children and their grandchildren? See, we often look to the big names and we think it's in the big names we should celebrate. But it's really the little, everyday, ordinary people that we hardly know anything about, who were the faithful ones that left you and me here today 2,000 years later having the same faith that Timothy had. So I want to encourage you today wherever you are. If you find yourself filled with questions and not really sure what this is all about, if you find yourself in a household that is divided and really struggling to be faithful, if you find yourself today wanting to impart all kinds of faith and truth into your children and your grandchildren, and despite all your efforts, they seem to be wandering away wherever you are today, let me just encourage you with this. Fan into flame the gift that God has given to you. See, your faith is not a choice and a decision and rational intellect. It is a gift, something God has given to you so fan that into flame that it may burn brightly for others to see, beginning in your own household, in your own family. And who knows what God will do one day with your faithfulness today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Timothy, this man who cared and was filled with great compassion, who was faithful and willing to do whatever it took to share your love with those who did not know it. God, we thank you for Eunice, his mother, for Lois, his grandmother, two women who went day by day through the struggle of teaching and imparting faith, of embodying it and living it out, that their son and their grandson may see it in them and long to walk in it as well. God, you have placed people in our lives, young children, nieces, nephews, friends, people who don't yet know your good love. We ask today that you would fan into flame the faith that you have given to us, Would you fan into flame what is there that it may burn within us in such a way that each and every day, through the ordinary and simple moments, we can shine bright for others to see. And Lord, we pray today for those who are not yet born, who will come 60 or 80 or 100 years from now, who will walk faithfully with you because of our faith today. We ask for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we collect an offering, I just want to offer this up as an encouragement. If you are struggling with your children or your nieces or your nephews or your friends and you're struggling to show them the faith you believe in a way that they too believe it, hang in there and fight the good fight. Remember, the fight is not against those individuals or or, Lo, or Eunice's Greek husband. It's not against those who don't believe. So hang in there and fight the good fight and know that you are not alone in your everyday ordinary. Here at the point as we worship, part of our worship is collecting an offering. And so here in a moment, we're going to collect an offering. We believe that an offering is an opportunity To partner with God in this work of sharing faith with those who don't yet have it. To partner with Him in the endeavor of making it known to all of Knoxville and our community His good love and grace. And so if you came prepared today to give a gift and you would like to partner with The Point through cash or check, you can do so in the black boxes on the walls as you exit. If you filled out one of those connect cards with the way we can be praying with you, the way we can connect with you and encourage you, If you haven't filled one of those out, but you would like to at this time, you can place those physical cards in that black box as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to do things electronically, you can give today online at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Every week we invite your questions, and I do my best to respond to them. But before we get to the questions... Ladies, if you did not receive an invite when you walked through the door today, will you raise your hand? Specifically an invite to that ladies' retreat. You should have received one. Everybody got, a couple of you did not. All right, go ahead and raise them high. Like, it's okay, we won't harass you. We'll just give you an invite and say, we'd love for you to join us. Emily would like to pass them out. So keep your hand up. She'll be bringing these around. We would love, not we, I don't get to be a part of it. Emily would love for you to join them at this a one-day women's retreat, all right? Now, what questions came in today? Uh, only one came in, and it says, where are the places in the Bible that are mentioned not as significantly
1: as others, such as Derb, or Lystra, or Amph- Amphipolis, or Ap- Ap- I'm not even going to try. Uh, such as more well-known ones like Jerusalem, Bethlehem, etc. that we still hear about today.
0: Thanks. I am not super good with geography, so I will get this wrong. Um, I don't know specifically where each town is. A quick Google search will show you where they are. There's lots of maps and resources other people have put together. But generally speaking, most of Paul's life happened in Israel, which is on the east side of the Mediterranean up into Turkey and into Greece and then into Rome. So somewhere along the Mediterranean there, there's some stuff that happens down on the southern side of the Mediterranean, but that's kind of the general region and specifics beyond that will require a map that I don't have off the top of my head. Anything else? Nope, that's it. Cool. So I will see if I can find some decent maps of where these specific cities are, and maybe we'll post them on Facebook later this week if you're interested. Uh, Excellent. Well then, before you go today, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting the Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.